Thank you so much for agreeing to be our guest on the show today, Ms. Novi. I really appreciate it. It's great to be with you. You can call me Joelle. Okay. Thank you, Joelle. That's a nice name. (laughs) So uh, could you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you do for Interfaith Power and Light? Yeah. So um, uh, for about 12 years now, um, I've been um, helping uh, congregations of all faith traditions across uh, Maryland, D.C. and Northern Virginia to think about um, what's happening to our world, what's happening to our climate, and um, how they feel called to respond as people of faith. Um, so I come to this work having grown up in Baltimore in a Jewish community, um, but I of- often was curious what it would look like to really challenge my own communities and others uh, to, to really live out their faith and think about what bringing our values to our daily lives and our daily choices would look like. Um, and that's what we do at Interfaith Power and Light. We're one of about 40 state affiliates of Interfaith Power and Light around the country that are likewise, you know, challenging people of all faith traditions to think about what's happening to our world, to think about how we're implicated in um, the climate crisis and the, the suffering that it's already causing, and then to to take action. Um, so for faith communities to respond to climate change, it can look a lot of different ways. And um, our website is structured around the three big categories, learn, go green, and speak out. So we we support faith communities in talking about what's happening to our world and thinking about how their own faith traditions and values and teachings, you know, call them to respond in, you know, how not, we're not asking them to be anyone else. We're just asking them to live their own lives and their own faith with integrity. Um, and then go green. So we support congregations in greening their operations, their facilities, to being a beacon in their communities for what uh, clean energy future might look like, thinking about their grounds and welcoming wildlife onto their grounds and shepherding, uh, stewarding the stormwater on their grounds. Um, and we support folks in thinking about doing some of those things at home as well and get inspired to do those things at home through their congregations. Um, and a lot of times we're supporting and cheering on the green leaders. Sometimes they feel like the green sheep in their community. They feel lonely. We help them flock together and support each other in going green um, and, and, and sustaining green efforts over time in their congregations. Um, and ultimately speaking out. So we understand that um, at the end of the day, the climate crisis is a structural problem. It is um, caused by large corporations that have not been held accountable for their pollution and only building a large movement at the scale of the problem where we can really change laws um, is going is going to you know get at something as big and daunting as the climate crisis. So we join together to raise up our voices for strong climate policy locally at the state level and nationally. So you mentioned uh, speaking out earlier. What does it mean to you to speak out? One of the things that's so daunting about the climate crisis is that um, it's so much bigger than any one of us. And when people, you know, if you say, oh, well, you know, we're burning fossil fuels for electricity. It's pouring this heat trapping climate pollution into our atmosphere. Our earth is getting warmer and warmer with dire consequences. And but and people kind of get their heart rates up. They're really like <laughs> upset and agitated about that, thinking about that. And then and they think about the, in- the implications for their children and grandchildren. They think about the implications for the places in the world that they love the most. I love folks living on Maryland's eastern shore know up close what it means to have rising sea levels and um, you know the storm uh, damage that's caused when the sea levels even a little bit higher. Um, so you know people get really upset thinking about a global problem like that. 
And, and then you say, oh, but it's okay. Cause you can like change your own light bulb, you know, at home. And people just feel like, well, this isn't big enough. It's not big enough to feel hopeful. You know? <laughs> and so what, for us, what speaking out means is to get big enough to solve this problem, we will have to form a large movement, a climate movement, big enough to change laws at scale. And that's not instead of doing those things in your home, that's not instead of changing the light bulbs in your congregation or planting native plants in your congregation. That's Those are all wonderful and important things because we need to live, practice living the way um, the future is going to look um, sustainably. But, um, but it's critical that we include in all of our work to address the climate crisis, you know, large scale advocacy to change laws so that we are, you know, have um, help shifting away from clean, you know, away from dirty energy towards clean energy, away from the worst um, polluting industries and towards um, a future that that's livable for all of us. Absolutely. So what are some of the ways that you help these congregations go green? You know, as I said, this, in my, in my view, this takes, has three components. And the first step is often to, to talk about climate change. Um, talking about climate change can be hard. Um, and, and it, it can be hard for a variety of reasons. <laughs> One, I think, is that people find it upsetting to think about. Um, and they don't want to focus on something that makes them upset. I mean, I certainly experienced that myself, even being a full-time professional climate activist for over a decade, I still find myself kind of not wanting to, not wanting to think about it some days, not wanting to focus on it. That's the first thing. And I often find if we don't, if we acknowledge people's feelings, then sometimes people can feel less alone with it. If, if, it, if you talk about climate change in people's faith communities, in a place that they already come to grieve and celebrate and share life struggles and get sort of sustenance for um, the challenges in their lives and feel in community. The other reason it's really hard to talk about climate change in some contexts, and um, you're, you know, most of your listeners are probably in a part of Maryland that understand this even more acutely than I do in um, Silver Spring, is that, you know, climate change has become very politicized, right? People, people experience that topic as sort of, you know, this, it's really just a matter of science and physics. You know, if you burn fossil fuels, the pollution that's released will treat, trap the sun's heat and, and raise our temperature. It's not the, the trees that are blossoming earlier and earlier are not doing so because they're Republicans or Democrats. It's just, it's just, it's just science. But, but for a lot of people, they don't want to bring up a divisive question or they don't want to get into politics. So that's the other thing I think is so valuable about raising these conversations in congregations because our faith communities are moral communities and they are places where we talk about what living in a righteous way and they we talk about what our responsibilities are to our neighbors so it's not um it's a place where if you talk about climate change in a synagogue or a church or a mosque or a temple or an ethical society or meeting house um when you talk about climate change in those settings people just hear it as a moral issue i don't have to say i am reframing this as a moral issue or i'm depoliticizing this political issue i am but just if you talk about it in the same place you talk about feeding the hungry or taking care of your, the elders in your community or, um, you know, our other responsibilities to each other, people just hear it as a moral issue. And there couldn't be a more moral issue, right? Like the fact that we are in this generation making choices about how to get our energy that are destroying the world in which our, you know, subsequent generations will be able to live 
or not, <laughs> and are already causing harm and disease and suffering around the world to some of the world's poorest people. I mean, there couldn't be a more moral issue. It's like the definition of a moral issue. But anyway, one of the things we help congregations do is have these conversations to begin with. And then we ask, what does climate change mean to you? Why does climate change matter to you? And help people turn to a neighbor and express that for themselves. You know, it doesn't matter what, why climate change matters to me. It matters why it matters to each of, each of them. So really to open their hearts and think about, well, why does this personally matter to you? Because we have to speak from a place of, of personally caring about protecting the things we love and the people we love. And then, you know, and then the, the next question I, that I, you know, and I, being Jewish, I um, am usually a guest in the congregations um, where I'm speaking. And so I'm, I'm very humble about, you know, never presuming to know what a person's faith is calling them to do. <laughs> That's not my job. But I do ask, I have asked over and over again to groups of people on folding chairs in many, many church basements over many years, you know, well, what do you think it would look like to really, you know, live out the United Methodist, you know, call or the really live out the Catholic social teaching or, you know, really, you know, be faithful to the values and spirit of Islam or, um, or the Baha'i faith, um, you know, with respect to what you're learning now. And I find that I don't, all I have to do is ask that question because everyone immediately does have a sense of what it would look like to live out their faith um, with respect to this information. And then the question is, well, how do we get from here to there? Um, the other thing I, I, I invite communities to do is to envision what, we need to be able to envision not just what's wrong with the present reality, but the future we are building together and we need to get excited about it. It's going to be really glorious. So I do also invite people to think about, well, if this community were operating in a way that was in total harmony with the natural world and really was living out the values of your congregation, like what, what would that look like, right? Like there's some real, um, it's really, you know, almost painful to think about the fact that we gather um, to praise the creator of our world and all its species and plants and animals in sanctuaries, most of which are are lit and heated and cooled by energy that was made by like destroying that same creation, right? And so, you know, our prayers, I think, are more potent and pure if we can make them in facilities and spaces that, that are operated in ways that, that reflect the same values that we say we believe in in our prayers. Absolutely. So, uh, that sort of ties into how faith relates to the mission of uh, environmental conservation. Right. And, you know, each of us need to ask that question for ourselves and keep asking it, you know, what, what would it look like to be faithful to who I am or who I am called to be now that I understand the way, the way our fossil fuel economy is harming people. Um, one of the things I get from the Jewish tradition is, um, is, a, is a, a fierce reverence for preserving life. Um, so one of the um, sort of discourses in Jewish tradition is about when, it is, when is it okay to violate the Sabbath to save a life, save a person's life? Because the this Shabbat practice, with, uh, Sabbath rules were very important to the rabbis, but clearly, um, but they clearly stated that you know, all of those rules go out the window if someone's life is at stake. Um, and then over the course of subsequent generations, the, the dialogue in Jewish tradition back and forth 
you know, clarifies, you know, well, if a, if a, if a doctor says that a life is at stake, you violate Shabbat to save a life. And then it says, well, what if, the, what if there's not scientific consensus? What if one of the doctors says it's necessary and one says it's not? Um, and the, the, the answer from the tradition is you still violate Shabbat to save a person's life. And then it's like, well, what if there's no doctor around at all? You can't get any scientific opinion. You just have to make your best guess. And they say, no, even, even doubtful danger to human life makes the law lenient. You know, and then finally, um, Joseph Caro, middle, medieval commentator uh, on this whole discourse, says, um, the one who rushes to break Shabbat in the case of a doubtful danger to human life is praiseworthy. And the one who stops to delay, ask more questions, come up with reasons to, you know, kind of futz around is, um, is a murderer. So, so, you know, what I get from Jewish tradition, I get many things from Jewish tradition in, in being a climate activist, but I think one that really stays with me is a fierce spirit of intervention. That when life may be at stake, and certainly it is in this moment, um, it's on us to get involved with all of our might to the best of our ability, even when there are certain um, questions or, or specifics that remain to be figured out. <laughs> Absolutely. So how can people get involved with the mission of interfaith power and light? If anyone who's listening to me is part of any kind of religious community, well, you know, any faith tradition, um, you know, I would welcome your connecting with our organization, um, ipldmv.org, which stands for Interfaith Power and Light, DMV. So ipldmv.org. Um, and there's a way to get on the email list right from our homepage. Um, we would love to be in con connected with you. And we also have um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of which use that same initials for our pages. So um, uh, we're very active on all of those platforms. And I welcome folks just to see what we're up to, get, get ideas for how um, faith communities are getting involved. And then I would I would welcome anyone who wants to raise these issues up in your congregation. If you're already doing so, um, I'd love to hear about it and celebrate that. If you are looking for ways to do so, I'd be happy to talk with folks and brainstorm. Um, one thing I can just commend is that just about every major faith community, faith tradition in this country has very active thought leaders already thinking about what is it, what is a United Methodist approach to climate change? What is a Catholic approach? What is a Lutheran approach? There's already a Presbyterians for Earth Care. There's, you know, I know there's for many years now, um, there was a Wicomico interfaith group that met to talk about climate climate action together on the Eastern Shore. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, know that there was probably a lot of people already in your faith tradition, even if not in your own congregation, that are caring about these issues and working together. And so you just want to tap in and amplify and participate in what they're doing. Um, in particular, this summer is a really great time to go solar at home um, because we have some federal tax credits that are likely to step down at the end of 2022 um, unless Congress acts. We can always hope that Congress will act, but just in case, um, it would be great to, if you've been thinking about going solar at home, you should do it now before they, the panels get more expensive, basically. Um, and we work with several different um, organizations, um, including a group called Solar United Neighbors that help neighbors come together to purchase solar for their homes as a group. And um, there are open solar co-ops just about all over Maryland. 
uh, including one that's uh, for the Eastern Shore and Anne Arundel County um, through Solar United Neighbors that's open this summer. And so if anyone was curious to, you know, enter your address and see if your home might be a good fit for one of these co-ops, they'll be open till the end of the summer. And all of the open co-ops and links directly to them, depending on your location, are at a special page of our website, which I will say now it's ipldmv.org, that same homepage I sent you to, forward slash solar co-ops, no hyphen. So S-O-L-A-R-C-O-O-P-S, solar co-ops. And uh, there's a number of resources we also have if you've been dreaming about going solar on your congregational facility. It's a, a little bit of a different ballgame because it involves uh, finance, special financing usually for nonprofit organizations to go solar and, and at another website that I'll share with jldmv.org forward slash solar. Um, and on that page, you will find uh, a map of all of the congregations in the region we know of that have gone solar already. So you can explore and see who near you is already has a solar congregation as well as um, a video explaining how solar financing works for congregations. That's really cool. Do you have anything else you'd like to talk about on the show today? Thank you for the invitation. Um, I would just invite anyone listening to think for yourself about who are the people in your community, whether it's a congregational, like a faith community or, or your neighborhood or your family, who are the people where you could open a conversation about climate change, um, where they would they would have to listen because of their, your relationship with them. There is some community for each of us that is the most powerful place in the world for us to raise a conversation about climate change. And we're only going to solve this, you know, we're only going to address this if we really open these conversations, have are really brave about saying that this is important to us and that we care about it and we're heartsick about it and and saying why it matters to us personally and drawing the people who care about us into the, that work together. So um, I invite anybody hearing me today to, to get connected to us or another grassroots climate organization so that you're invited into action over and over again. And then to think for yourself, what is the circle of community that I'm in where I could be a climate leader and, and to sort of step into that, into that um, calling. Do you have any prayers you would like to share with us today? Um, well, I'm, I don't know when this will air, but we are speaking on uh, right before uh, the Jewish holiday of Shavuot um, when we um, read in, in the Jewish liturgy lectionary, we read the um, book of Ruth on this holiday. Um, and it opens with this scene where Naomi says, you know, is like totally bereft. Her husband has died. She's like leaving. Um, she's leaving the place she's been living. And she says, you know, just call, she's like, says, call me bitterness. Like she's like, her whole name is bitterness. She's like, totally, um, feels totally alone in the world and totally without hope and just pure suffering. And Ruth, you know, just really clearly says, no, no, no. Like I'm coming with you where you go. I will go. Your people will be my people. You're um, getting in the trenches with her <laughs> and saying we're in this other. Um, and so I'm, I'm thinking um, this particular moment when you asked me about my, my, my wish or prayer, for us is that I think the the climate crisis and many of the other problems in our world, you know, the pandemic, you know, so many of the all kinds of violence, um, you know, have the effect of making us feel like we're alone with our struggles, um, and and it it feels so isolating to be contemplating the the world's grief, you know, one at a time, 
Um, but if we can be that voice for each other and say, no, 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 we're in this together. You know, we as a world are going to need to come together as a community and say, no, we love these animals. We love these plants. We love each other. We love these places. We are going to fight together to save all we can to be that voice of Ruth that says, no, no, no. <laughs> like we're, we're going to be in this together as hard as it is. We'll have a community to fight for a livable world together. Um, that's my, that's my wish and prayer for us today. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been wonderful having you as a guest. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much.